This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois, and by The Barrel Club in Oak Lawn. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. All right, Blackhawks fans, welcome into this latest installment of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one and only pride and joy of Homewood, Illinois, 670 The Scores, Jay Zawoski, also the host of the Locked on Blackhawks podcast. Jay, we finally have a game played in the United States that we get to react to, (laughs) and it's the exact same story that we had when they played in Europe. The Blackhawks couldn't play a lick of defense, ended up losing by a goal, couldn't come through late to tie the game up. It's so irritating because their offense looked really good at times last night, but the defensive breakdowns that we thought maybe they had kind of started to figure out a little bit last season Boy, howdy, they have been front and center again in the first two games this season. How worried are you right now? I don't know if worried isn't the right word. I I, I just, you know, it, it's not, first of all, it's not the same exact story as the game against the Flyers. They they did good on faceoffs last night. Give them some credit, jerk. That's the only thing that was different, though. <laughs> uh, it, it's just, the, here's the problem. Is Duncan Keith... This is this Duncan Keith now? Because if this is Duncan Keith now, they're in some deep trouble. Because mm. he right now can't play, and the fact that Connor Murphy, we'll get to this a little bit later. The fact that Connor Murphy seems to be his new defense partner going into the Winnipeg game tomorrow is a little alarming. That they're pulling the plug on Keith and Gustafson after two games. Um, but look, when you look at the evidence, it's time. Those that pairing was horrible last night. Uh, yeah, that I, I mean, can you really point at a single pairing last night and go, hey, those guys had a pretty solid game. Like I thought overall, the defensive alignments, the defensive uh, groups that Jeremy Colladin had out there wasn't overly impressed with anybody. Like I was looking at the uh, natural stat trick. You know, Don't we all that. know that we love that website. Ooh, that is a the, bad thing to look at today. Yeah, the <laughs> there were what five players last night that were po- there were positive Corsi players. Yeah, like and and Slater Cuckoo was one of them. It's like okay, like no, this. No, ugh, I'm glad that. you said his name. I thought he had a decent game. Believe it or he not, he did have a decent game. There were the a couple only problem really nice is everybody plays. that played with him didn't. Well, yes. 
<laughs> mm. That's probably Let, let's let's run down some of this carnage, shall we? Yeah. Well, let, let, you mentioned Corsi. I want to I want to read this to the people. And before I do this, I want to tell everyone to take it to pause the podcast and go find a barf bag while I read you these numbers. Okay, so I'm going to give you a second. Okay, now that you're back, here's the Corsi numbers for the game. I'm going to go period one, period two, period three. The first period, the Blackhawks had a Corsi four percentage of 57.58. That's really, really good. That is good. That means that you were generating more possession than San Jose was, and that is a little bit skewed by the fact that the Sharks had two power play goals in the first period. Yes, this is five on five. Go ahead and throw that out. Sure. This is five on five, by the way, for the record. Yes. So the Hawks had 19 shot attempts. The Sharks had 14. Mm -hmm. Second period. The Blackhawks' Corsi percentage, 26.47. That is horrible. Anything That's under 40... basically the San Jose Sharks had to play the, uh, I don't know, the Saskatoon Blades or something. Right, anything under like 47% is considered horrible. They were at 26%. They had nine shot attempts for and 25 against. Now for the third period... The Blackhawks had four shot attempts in the third period. Not four shots on goal. Shot four attempts. attempts. Yes. The uh, San Jose Sharks had 17. That Corsi percentage, 19.05. That averages out over the course of the game to 36-36% at 5-on-5. Five five. That is probably as bad as I've seen in my lifetime. It, it, and yeah. they had a 57, actually 58% if you're going to round up in the first period. That's how bad the second and third periods went. And guess what else happened in the second and third periods? That's when Jeremy Colleton, in his infinite wisdom, broke up the one line that was wrecking havoc on the Sharks, the Camp kubalik sod line. He wanted to move Kubelik up top to get that line going, and it didn't work. It didn't work at all. If anything, it backfired. Once you start seeing the collapse happening, pull the plug and go back to what was working. But Cowton never did it. It is so aggravating. To me, this is the first game. Look, you can question his system. You can question all those things. Big picture. This is a game where I feel like this loss is a lot on Jeremy Cowton. Yeah, you know what? Let's just let let's uh, hit a timeout here for just this reason. I want to praise that Shaw or that Saad Camp Kubalik line. Yeah, because for sure. the first like three shifts of the game that they played are some of the best shifts I've seen a Blackhawks forward line play in quite a while. And obviously, we're only two games into the season, but just the balance that they had, the chances they were creating, the havoc they were wreaking on the Sharks. The Sharks were skating all over the place and could not figure out at all how to defend that line at even strength look i get it david camp couldn't win a face-off if his family's lives depended on it okay he's a bad face-off taker i understand that completely but when you look at the tape of what they were doing to the sharks those first three shifts of the game it was absolutely bananas they had the blackhawks i believe their first six shots on that last night they were dominating possession pinning the sharks in they scored a goal dominic kubalik scored a goal last night 
it was just it was incredible to watch them work and then to see that get broken up because Jeremy Colladin well I, I will defend him in this way. He had to pull the plug on the top line last night because Alex Nylander decided he didn't feel like playing hockey last night. Yeah, he was really bad last night. That Well, bad enough that he is not in the forward groups that Jeremy Colladin rolled out today, but we're going to get to that uh, in a minute. But yeah, like he had to do something with that line, but the fact that he went so crazy as to take apart the one line that was actually working... I'm inclined to agree with you because it just ended up being a giant cluster bleep and it was a mess the rest of the game. And the Corsi numbers accurately reflect that. And that's not even getting into just the strictly stupid defensive breakdowns the Blackhawks were having last night. Well, yeah, I I went into some of that on my uh, Twitter account. So I've got some thoughts. Were there any that stood out to you in particular that were bad? Not just another, you you mentioned stupidity and and we're going to get to that, but there's the other thing were the penalties, the Andrew Shaw penalty at center ice. The sharks just tied the game. They've got all the momentum. Brendan Dillon plays 23 minutes a night. You're going to get your chance to take a shot at him. If you must have it. If you have to go get retribution for the clean hit he put on Patrick Kane, fine. You don't do it at center ice, behind the play, in front of everybody, when you've got a penalty kill that's only convert. We say converting, only stopping fifty percent of the penalties it's faced, and had but- already failed twice in the game. Exactly. And San Jose's got all the momentum at that point. Why are you taking a penalty? And yes, they didn't score on it, but who knows what the long-term effects are of another penalty kill in a game. Patrick Kane took a dumb penalty, too. Guess what? Keep your head up. He's looking behind himself, behind the net. You're going to get smoked. It's going to happen. It's part of the game. He should know and expect that. That hit from Dylan was there was nothing wrong with it. All right, before we get to the dumb defensive plays, I want to tell you about our friends at Triple Threat Sports. 708-478-6090. If you have a team, if you've got a company, even doesn't have to be a sports team, somewhere that needs outfitting, you need corporate polos made, or you need softball jerseys made, hit up Chris at triplethreatsports.com. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. Again, 708-478-6090. All right, so the first shift of the game, James, Alex Nylander blocks a shot. I was like, whoa, look at that. Alex Newender blocking a shot. Maybe he fell down and the puck hit him, but I'm going to call it a block shot for now. The So the, the opening line was Taves' line started, and then the defensive pair was Mata and Seabrook. Mata and Seabrook leave the ice. Keith and Gustafson come on the ice, and immediately there is a quality chance on goal where a shark skater cuts right between the two of them right to Corey Crawford with a prime scoring chance. It happened immediately. As soon as Keith and Gustafson got on the ice, all hell started breaking loose. And it didn't stop there. It went on throughout the game. And then at the end of the game, and Eddie O called this out, Dylan Strom's guilty of it as well. You're down a goal late. You're trying to attack. They dump the puck in, and on consecutive dump-ins, there's zero forecheck. First it was uh, Gustafson, who wants to be Mr. Pinchy Offensive Man, because he's not interested in playing defense. They dump the puck in. He does not go forecheck. The Sharks easily get the puck back and go the other way. Then the same thing happens with Dylan Strom. There's what, 45, 50 seconds? That they, had they gone and chased the puck down, could have been on the attack and try to tie the game? Look, I can I can handle it when you don't have a lot of talent. I can handle it 
when, you know, bounces don't go your way or you have a bad night. But when it's the lack of effort in game two, that to me is a huge, huge problem. And I, I like Jeremy Cowden. So far, I think the, the pluses outweigh the negatives. You can't ignore what he did in 2019 calendar year last season. They were at almost 100-point pace. He deserves credit for that. But this is the first time I really found myself saying, what's going on here? It's game two at the home opener, and they've just quit. A lot of the guys on this team are just like not interested in making any sort of difficult play. And to me, that's a huge problem. It's a huge concern. Well, I mean, you go, you go back and you look specifically at the goals last night, which I did while I was sitting in my uh, cubicle, my corner of NBC Chicago. And th- there's one thing that instantly stood out to me on the Blackhawks, the first goal that they gave up, the power play goal the Sharks scored, I believe it was nine seconds after the faceoff they ended up scoring. It was right after uh, NBC Sports Chicago introduced their new uh, third reporter in the booth or whatever. The polished man. Man, I, I'm blanking on his name. I feel terrible. That's okay. But I, anyway, I they... <laughs> straight straight off the uh, faceoff, the Blackhawks dropped into their penalty-killing coverage. There was only one problem. I couldn't figure out what the coverage was supposed to be. Was it a man-on-man? Was it a diamond? I don't know, and I don't think they knew either. Well, they didn't have time to set it up. (laughs) I I posted a picture. Well, here's the thing, though. Like, Jonathan Taves, and I believe it was Ryan Carpenter. It was either Carpenter or Camp. I think it was Carpenter. They moved into like it was going to be a diamond. Connor Murphy kind of drifted like he didn't know what the heck he was doing. And after the shot came in from the point from Logan Couture, there were three players in behind Connor Murphy and Duncan Keith had to try to defend all three of them. That did not end well. And it ended with the puck in the back of the net. So you have a defensive breakdown because Connor Murphy clearly does not know whether they're playing man on man or diamond or whatever the hell they were going to play on that penalty kill. Then you also later in the game had a similar breakdown when the Blackhawks and Sharks were tied at four and the puck was along the boards and Eric Gustafson was defending it. I believe it was Slater Cuckoo was in behind the net defending uh, Sharks. I believe it was Joe Thornton was was behind the net. And then Alex Nylander goes over to play the puck and just leaves Barkley Goodrow with probably 25 feet of open ice. And Goodrow's like, Okay, Thank sure. You. Yeah, no problem. It's, he he just gets to slide casually towards the net and score. And it's just, if you're not going to play your defensive positioning properly, then what the hell are you doing on the ice? I, I get it. It's Connor Murphy's first game of the season, whatever you want to say. But you have to know what system you're using. And in the case of Alex Nylander, you have to know that you're playing defense because I don't think he got that through his head last night. So yeah. it was just a series of defensive breakdowns. I posted pictures on my Twitter account at James Navo if you kind of want to like a breakdown of this stuff. But man, just every time you looked up last night, the Blackhawks were playing defense. I don't know what strategy they were trying to employ because it wasn't working. Well, one of the things we've praised Colton for since taking over is he he was using players in the roles they're suited for instead of doing what Joel Quenville did and reward guys with power play time even though maybe they didn't belong there and doing the you know square peg and round hole thing Calton seemed to find what suited guys best 
a man-to-man defensive style does not suit this team at all. You are slow. This is not a fast team. Even if you look up front, the defense is slow. We know that. But Brandon Saad's not fast. Jonathan Taves isn't fast anymore. Patrick Kane isn't really fast. Debrinkit's like the one guy. I guess you'd say Debrinkit and Kajula would be the two guys with like some actual speed to their game. It's a slow team. They're going to need to adapt. They're going to need to find a way to compete because I don't know what changed between the first and second and third periods, but they were getting housed by a team that came into that game 0-4. The Sharks were struggling mightily. They hadn't held a lead all season. Exactly. And look, I, I, on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, I dug into numbers a little bit, and they were better than it was showing. They were really low shooting percentage. Their PDO was very low. Um, they weren't converting on the high-danger chances they generated. So they're better than 0-4, but they're definitely not a contender in the West. And this is not a game the Blackhawks blew. The Blackhawks blew, blew four leads. Four. Four yeah. in this game. And that is... The absolute same story as last season. And maybe Calvin DeHaan's going to be the magic man to come in and fix everything. He's a good defenseman. I don't know if he's the savior for this team. And Adam Boquist, too. Like, he can come in and add some offense, but he's not going to help defensively. I don't know. They better hope. they got to figure this out, and hopefully these new pairings work. Because now, yeah. now that we're seeing what's going on with Duncan Keith... And, uh, you know, I don't know if you can put him and Gustafson together anymore. And I know you want to get Gustafson some ice time because of the offense he provides. But if he's not going to play defense at all, that's a problem. And I played on the podcast this week, Jeremy Calton. This this totally fell through the cracks. And I wrote about this for 670thescore.com, too. Jeremy Calton flat called out Eric Gustafson this week. He said he's capable of playing good defense when he commits and he's engaged. And that's what we expect from him. He said that after practice on, I think it was Wednesday, nobody wrote about it. Nobody picked it up. Nobody commented on it. Before I started my podcast, I'm like, I'm going to see what what uh, JC had to say after practice. I'm like, no, no one noticed what he just did. He just called out Eric Gustafson unprovoked. They were asking him about his usage. And he's like, yeah, you know, we'll use him in offensive zone starts and on a power play, of course. But, you know. By the way, even though you didn't ask me this, yes, he's capable of being a better defenseman. <laughs> he offered it himself. And Gustafson's response is to play like he played on Thursday? Oof. To me, dude, I don't know. The, I, 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 Mata's been fine. I think Seabrook's been fine. Connor Murphy looked good last night. Slater Cuckoo's been no, better I than anybody thought. I disagree wholeheartedly on Connor Murphy. I, think I thought Connor fine. Murphy looked like garbage last no, night. I don't know. I think he was – whatever. It's apples. It, it doesn't even matter because the whole <laughs> thing is so bad right now. It doesn't matter. Look, Kelvin DeHaan's going to come in, and when he plays his first game tomorrow, he might be your most dependable defenseman. And I like Kelvin DeHaan, but if he's your best defender, you are screwed. That's a depth guy. That's a three or a four. And a really good three or four, but a three or four. You cannot depend on Calvin DeHaan to be your shutdown defenseman. That is not a recipe for success. I don't care how much offensive talent you have. I don't care how great of a goaltending tandem you have. we got to get to Corey Crawford a little bit later, too. Mm-hmm. That's not good enough. And, look, if, uh, yeah, we've gotten, I got this question a bunch on Twitter today. And, again, it's two games. James and I are very fired up. But I think Hawks fans are fired up. If this doesn't work, and if things start to fall apart, is Stan Bowman safe? 
No, I don't think he is. I don't think he should be. And I think we both said that last season, too, when he was starting to kind of retool some things. I think that the pressure was on him, whether the organization has made that abundantly clear or not. And if you still don't have an NHL caliber defense with all the moves that you made this offseason, and I know there have been questions about just how much you can expect out of Calvin DeHaan and Ole Mata, and ultimately when Adam Boquist comes up, if those guys don't like work out and kind of start to turn this thing around and this thing goes south in a hurry, why should Stan Bowman's job be safe? Eventually, someone's going to have to like clean this thing up. And are you really going to trust Stan to do it? I'm probably not if I'm uh, John McDonough and Rocky Wirtz. So that's going to be that'll be an interesting uh, kind of subplot to follow. It's obviously super premature to be talking about this right now. We haven't even seen this team at full strength yet with Boquist and Doc and DeHaan and those guys in the mix. But it does feel like we're just watching games from last season, doesn't it? It does. Like, like it really does feel like we're just watching the 2018-19 Blackhawks all over again. And that's not what we were promised after an offseason of moves. And that's honestly not what you and I kind of anticipated we would see from this bunch. Like, it's not, again, it's early, been a weird schedule. But when you're getting freaking pantsed by 40-year-old Patrick Marlowe, you of got some problems, man. And he was blowing by guys last night. He's not fast. That's how <laughs> slow the Blackhawks are. It's unbelievable. You know what? I figured it out, Jay. Yes. I have figured out the solution to everything. Okay. Jeremy Colladin needs to wear his glasses because clearly he can't see what's going on with this team. Hey, that's that's a really daddish joke, and I appreciate it, but I do like them better in the glasses. I uh, want to tell you guys about our newest sponsor, the Barrel Club in Oakland, 4910 West 111th Street, barrelclubillinois.com. They've got their Oktoberfest going on this weekend. It starts Friday uh, at 4 p.m. It ends on Saturday, 4 p.m. to midnight. $10 entry fee. The first 50 to enter get a whiskey ice mold. There's a $10 raffle. First prize is a 10-liter oak barrel. It holds 300 shots of uh, their, either their private label bourbon, the rye whiskey, Irish whiskey, Old Fashions, or Manhattans. So you get a barrel full of booze uh, if you go attend uh, Barrel Club's uh, party Friday night and Saturday live music. Mary Jane Breakdown, that's Tom Petty cover group. That's tonight, Friday from 6.30 to 9. Then it's Sean and Charlie at 9.30. Saturday, Whiskey and Harmony from 4.30 to 6.30. Rocks Off, that's a Rolling Stones tribute band, 7 to 9.30. And the McGinnis Brothers, 9.45 to midnight on Saturday. And coming soon to the Barrel Club, the top shelf NHL flight. Start out with Canadians Hall of Famer Guy Lafleur's Canadian Whiskey. Then aged in pecan wood in Texas, Belfour, Eddie Belfour's Whiskey. And then to finish it off, the Great One 99 brand Gretzky Ice Cask Whiskey. So hockey stuff at the Barrel Club, our newest sponsor. When we come back, we are going to get into... Jeremy Cowton's attempt at fixing this whole mess after practice on Friday. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Excludes sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See MetroYTMobile.com. 
Today on News 4 at 4. It's one of the most anticipated lists of the year. Consumer Reports top new vehicle picks. Susan Hogan is working for you, showing you the safest, most reliable cars for your money. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Many kids in our area are back to in-person learning, and we are helping you keep them safe in the classroom. We're working for you. Small steps you can take at home to protect them at school and expert advice to ease anxiety for you and the kids. This week on News 4 Today on NBC4. It is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. James Naveau, uh over there in Bourbon A. Jay Zawaski here in Homewood. And speaking of Homewood, happy two-year anniversary to one of the best partners we've had throughout our five years as a podcast. Rabbit Brewing is turning two years old, and they're celebrating on Saturday with an anniversary party. Listen to these uh, special release bottles they're coming out with. The Manticore. It's their anniversary Kvyk Imperial Stout. I don't know how to say that. That's a guess. 12 yeah, say it a- again. Say it again. Kvyk. K-V-E-I-K? <laughs> I don't know. It's their Imperial Stout, 12.5 ABV, $13 a bottle. And then the Dwarves of Boom, a chocolate coffee stout in bourbon and rye barrel variants. Oh, my God, I'm getting one of those. 10% uh, ABV, yeah. $20 each. Uh, and they got bottles from the vault. They have limited numbers of their 2019 Horus and the 2018 Manticore. Those will be available. Live music from The Land Before Tim and Naughty Neil Whitwitham. He's great. And food trucks from May's Barbecue Truck. Oh, May's. Oh, oh that, they were Lord. at the last event, right? Yes, they were. Oh, that was so good. Yes. And Nikki Ray's Sandwich Food Truck from 7 to 10. So head on out to Rabbit Brewing tomorrow. The festivities kick off at 4 p.m. It's going to be a really, really great time. Uh, Rabbit Brewing is right behind the Home Depot on Halstead. The official address, 17759 Brett's Drive, B-R-E-T-Z Drive in Homewood. I'll be out there. Hope to see some of you guys out there as well. Let's come and celebrate uh, with our great sponsors at Rabbit. All right, James, before or during the break, you had some interesting phrasing on the experience of the game last night. Why don't you share it with our friends? Okay, so we talked about the defensive breakdowns. We talked about the poor performances of a bunch of different players, but there was a beacon of hope adrift on the sea of bullshit last night. <laughs> It came in the second period when Jeremy Colladin brought out the Joel Quenville Memorial line blender and put together Dylan Strome, Alex DeBrincat, and Patrick Kane for a brief moment, a respite from the horribleness that we had been witnessing. And they had an odd man rush that developed. And I loved the way they handled this rush. It was textbook it was hockey pornography to borrow a term that we've used before when the puck went to Patrick Kane and Alex DeBrincat skated down towards the goal line you you would think to yourself that Dylan Strom after making the pass was going to j- like jet to the net just go straight to the net mouth try to collect a rebound but no he stopped in the faceoff dot on this beautiful play that gave him just that little bit of space that he needed so that when Patrick Kane found him again with the puck, he ripped it home. And it was a thing of hockey beauty and went right in the face of everybody who always says, just get to the net, good things will happen. You know what? Good things happen in space too. And that line created something magical. And the result today is that Dylan Strom and Alex DeBrincat have been broken up. So we had our brief respite, and it was wonderful. 
and now we go back to the sad, cold reality that we're not going to see those two together, at least when the game starts tomorrow against the Oilers. By the way, next time you say in space, see, please say it appropriately. In space! space! All right, so here's the lines uh, at practice today, Friday. Top line is Taves centering Alex DeBrinkett and Drake Kajula. Okay. Uh, second line is Dylan Strom centering Andrew Shaw on the left wing and Patrick Kane on the right wing. David Camp centering David uh, David Sod, Brandon Sod, and Dominic Kubalik. <laughs> hey, that line looked no, I good. Knew I always knew they were going to sign his brother David. <laughs> let's break let's break that line up immediately as soon as they start to show something. And the bottom line of uh, Ryan Carpenter, Zach Smith on left wing, and Brendan Perlini who draws into the lineup. Alex Nylander was the extra I was forward. about to say, I didn't hear a name there, Jay. Yeah, well, 11 minutes and a minus two will do that to you. Um, defensive <sighs> pairings, Duncan Keith, Connor Murphy, Oli Mata, Brent Seabrook, and Cuckoo and DeHaan were rotating with Eric Gustafson. So it's different. I don't know if it's going to work, but it's something. I'm glad he's trying something, but man. All right. Well, let's let's break this down. Oh, by the, the way, good, the it, good listeners at home. One more thing, too. It looks like Robin Leonard is going to get the start. OK, well, we'll start with the forwards because, well, that's where we should. Mm-hmm. The top line, the, the decision to break up Alex DeBrinkett and Dylan Strome, a little bit controversial in Blackhawks Twitter land. Pretty clear what the strategy is, though, right? Mm-hmm. Get Jonathan Tabes going. I believe I saw a stat yesterday that. When Taves and Kane were together, they had their line had generated eight. I think it was eight attempts on goal and given up thirty. Yes, that's not good. That's really and bad. that's why Jeremy Colladin was like, you know what, we're just going to go ahead and we're going to end that their experiment. That that line with those two and Nylander, that was an abject disaster. That did not work at all. Totally fine seeing those two broken up. I know that Stroman to bring it breaking up is always something that is going to cause a little bit of a uh, heart pain for Blackhawk fans, but putting to with Taves, I think is pretty clearly an attempt to spark Jonathan Taves and get something going with him. What do you think of that group? Yeah, I think what you're doing is you're, you're sort of st- spreading out your offense, you know, and I, I mentioned this earlier that if, if Neilander is going to play, it almost has to be in the top six. So when you take him out, you've got to take one of those bottom six guys you had and move him to the top six, and that's where Andrew Shaw ends up. So, um, you know, I, I and now Perlini's in. So I guess, I don't know, I, I'm really concerned that, like, why are Taze and Kane so bad together? That It's almost, like, inexplicable, and I know that Nylander had a really bad game. There's no doubt about that. But when Taves, Kane, and Nylander were on the ice together, they were minus 23% in Corsi rating. One shot attempt for six against. Six shot attempts against in 552 of ice time. One, The one I'm more concerned about is the fact they generated one attempt one as a group. One attempt. Now, one again, attempt. They weren't together a lot. So when they put Kubalik on the, on the Taves and Kane line, they had two shot attempts and 12 hey! against. So that was even worse. That line did even worse. Okay. And now we go to the second line, and now I do have to ask a question of you. I know you want to get Jonathan Tabes going, which is why you have him with Alex to bring. By the way, I am going to ask you this. 
Should they have a different winger on that line besides Drake Kajula? Like, I like Drake Kajula. He's shown but nothing is he the, this year. is he the guy that you want to have on that top line? I don't know what other options you have until Doc's ready. And but I, Brendan Perlini there, my friend. It'll all be great. Why not? I, I don't I don't I don't hate I'm that. Not okay. I'm not opposed to that either. I know I said it very like condescendingly, but it's like, you know what? What the hell? Give it a shot. No, I, I think that look, if you're gonna get Kajula going, this is probably the way to do it. And okay, wait, wait, wait. You can't have two guys on the same line that you're trying to get no, no, going. I know. I think I mean by you want him to have more more of an impact. And he okay, played so little. That. Okay, uh, okay. You know, last night that it, it, it's almost like he's not even there. Uh, I'm looking up the ice time here right now. Uh, bear with me. He played 10 minutes and 13 seconds last night. And that's, hey, that's what, only like 47 seconds less than Alex Nylander managed to play. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what you do when you're a fourth liner. That, that's pretty typical. So I think yeah. if, they're, if they're trying to get more out of him, playing him more. Look, he's got some offensive upside. He scored close to has he scored 20. I think he's scored 20 in his career before. He's an offensive player. So getting him with some offensive uh, forwards as well will be helpful for him. So I'm willing to give it a game or two to see how it looks. But they don't they just don't have a lot of other options. Maybe it's Alexi Sorella time after two games. It's kind of scary to think that, that we're already at that point. But look. No, to hell with that. We have like probably two or three forward spots on this roster that are basically like plug a guy in and see if he works. I don't think it's too early to say, screw it, let's try Sorella. I'm good with that. Are you? I'm fine with anything, man. I just want something to work. I want something to give me hope and something to work. And you and I were Well, pretty... you already have hope. You have your lovely wife. That's true. Um, you and I were pretty optimistic going into this year and thought that, hey, you know, some defensive improvements, some tweaks here and there, a uh, whole offseason to learn the system and things will be better. They've been as bad or worse. I was going to say they've basically been status quo. But again, okay, I, I do... I, I went off on of this, and I wanted to ask you, why not just have DeBrincat, Stroman, Kane start a game? See what the hell you can get. Like, that could be a dynamic and killer top line. It looked good last night in the brief moments that they were together. I know you want to split up the offense. You want, like, yeah. this kind of thing to be spread out. But when you're at home and you're able to dictate matchups against a team that breaking news I don't think is very good in the Edmonton Oilers, why not load up that line and just say, screw it, let's try to outscore those bombs? What's the Jets tomorrow? So- oh, I thought it was, oh, see, yeah. I thought, you know what, it doesn't matter. Jets, Oilers, they both suck. They're both from cold weather places in Canada. <laughs> well, here's what you could do. If, if that's what you want to do, you put Sod on the top line. Because the fear is if you take the Brinkett away from Taves, then he's stuck with maybe Shaw, Taves, and Kajula. Mm-hmm. And that's not fair to your top-line center. But if you want to put Saad there and just see if he can regain that top-line form, try that. But I agree with you. I think Strom, Debrinkit, and Kane, that, that's really your top line. That's what I, and that's what I was saying. Yeah. Like, we, you can call Jonathan Taves your top line center all you want but the fact of the matter is if that's going to be the line combination it's to Brinkett, Stroman, Kane that's your top line period end of story and the when you played the Jets who I don't know if you guys saw this the other night but they literally had all six of their defensemen were not in their top eight defensemen last season they were all completely new and yeah that's that's probably not going to go well for them uh, but speaking of lines, do you know how many points Patrick Line has? 
Oh my God! How many does he have? Ten points in five games. Oh my gosh! That guy <laughs> is freaking good. <laughs> and for the first time in his career, it's more assists than goals. He's got three goals and seven assists. That's almost never the case with him. You know, I actually, it's funny you bring that up because I had said, I believe it was two years ago, I had made some flippant comment that if the Jets, I think it was if they had scored 100 points, I think it was, I would buy a Jets jersey. I still need to pay off on that. So probably going to have to get me a uh, Patrick Line jersey. Should I get the blue one or the white one? Get the blue one. Then yeah, you got some pizza blue. stains I think on it. Blue looks good. fantastic. Or you can get some Marishka stains on it. Oh, yes. Yeah, some garlic <laughs> butter drippings on oh, there. I haven't been there in so long. Hey, Jay, I have an idea. Yes, I know. Tell the people about Marishka's. Go visit our friends, our five year uh, day one sponsors, Marishka's and Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street. Their family owned and operated since 1933. We've talked about them for years. The poor boy, the steaks, the seafood. The onion rings, the twice-baked potatoes, everything at Marishka's is fantastic. It's made with love, it's made with care, it's made with passion, and it's a place you'll be proud to go and you'll visit again and again. So go check them out, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. Go to marishkas.com or facebook.com slash marishkas. I know what you're saying. How do you spell that? Here it comes. M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. Go visit Joe Zadralovich and his family at Marish, because you'll have a great time. All right, we got to get to this. Um, I would have been more impressed if you had been able to spell Zdralovich, by the way. I don't think I Z- can do that. I can. Z-D-R-A-L-E-V-I-C-H. Well done. I, hey, man, watching a lot of hockey, you get to you learn how to p- spell some funky names. Um, we got to get to Corey Crawford. It's been 35 minutes. We've not gotten there yet. Um, I'm not going to blame him for what's happened with the Blackhawks this year. It's not his fault that the defense is terrible, but the fact remains. His goals against is over four. His save percentage is under 89. He has to be better. I'm very sorry. Here's the official numbers. Goals against, 4.63. Save percentage, 0.875. That's abysmal. And again, we can make all the excuses we want for Corey Crawford, and some of them would be valid, but he's not the only team without a great defense in front of him. He's not the only guy that faces, you know, deflected shots or traffic in front. This is something that every goalie deals with. He has to be better. It looks like Robin Leonard is going to get the start on Saturday, and it's time. It's absolutely time to give Robin Leonard a look. And if he comes out and performs well, he should get the start Monday as well. And if he performs well, he should get the next start. Did you make anything of his comments the other day about how it's rough to get into a rhythm when you only had like four minutes of ice time against Berlin and then you di- you haven't played in two weeks? I can, I can imagine. And I had Kevin Weeks on uh, the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, and I asked him about that specifically. Um, and he said, you know, these guys are pros and, uh, you know, they're they're used to sitting for long periods of time. But I said, yeah, but with two starters, you know, it, it's an adjustment. He said, yeah, and that's sort of the challenge a coach has is managing that and keeping both guys ready but look i think leonard's going to get his chance here and if he plays well he absolutely should play the next game there's no doubt about it in my mind yeah and i think jeremy colladin's kind of made that pretty clear that if one of them does end up starting to play well he's just going to kind of roll with it i just think like with how chaotic and scattershot the opening two games of the season have been it it was kind of going to be difficult to see one of them getting into a rhythm anyway I will point out that I thought Crawford last night 
his positioning looked a bit better. His skating looked a bit sharper than it did in game one. But like you said, eventually you do have to really carry the team a little bit in situations like that. And every time the Blackhawks had a lead last night, the puck would squirt through or there'd be a good opportunity in Crawford couldn't stop it. And the Sharks, I think, hit several posts last night, too. It's not like it was just the four goals. Like, Crawford got beat quite a bit last night. And so I'm totally down with Robin Leonard getting a start. And if he can start to kind of put it together, you just let him you ride it out, man. Got to find something that works with these two guys. Good grief. What, <laughs> it feels like there's so much to complain about with this team. I hate being such a downer in the first two games of the season. But, man, I know th- these games have been tough to watch. All right. Well, are you ready for the email of the show? We have a very happy uh, email that will sort of I- re-energize the show. Is it, is it from Gingenberger? It's not, I actually. I said it's a good email. Oh, dang. <laughs> email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email of the show is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Covers Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. The barbecue, the Mexican, the Cajun food, the bajillion craft beers, on tap and in bottles at Chuck's give you a million reasons to go back again and again. I've been dreaming of Chuck's me and my buddy Rick camp on the I'm fat podcast. We're talking about Chuck's this week. It's time for me to go. I got to get out there and get that jambalaya. Today would be a perfect day for jambalaya. Hmm. Perhaps interesting. All right. Email here from, Oh, sorry. Visit Chuck's cafe.com. Uh, they got locations in Burbank and Darien. It's amazing. It's delicious. Go there, eat it. It'll be wonderful. All right, here's an email from Ed in L.A. I think this is the first time Ed has emailed us. So he has some thoughts on uh, the Blackhawks. He says, hey, Jay and James, great job on the podcast, gents. I know you put a lot of time and effort into them. I enjoy your Hawks summaries and Hawks news. After careful deliberation and detailed analysis while drinking 32 ounces of a barrel-aged Russian Imperial Stout, I've come to the conclusion that this year's Blackhawks team about this year's Chicago Blackhawks team, I'd like to share with you both. They suck. Their defense sucks. Their goaltending sucks. Their energy sucks. And their roster sucks. This team is just like last year's, and there will be no late season push towards a playoff wild card spot. They will be cellar dwellers all year and may actually start 0-6. Everything about this team should be blown up, especially the high-priced, slow, aging defenseman that couldn't stop a junior B team Get rid of everyone and blow up this roster and the front office, too. They suck. The season's over. Damn it, they're losers. Rant over. Ed from L.A. Wow. Anything to add to Ed's email? (laughs) I'm just glad to see Blackhawks fans are taking the first two games in stride. Okay, so... (laughs) They've played 141st of the season. I know. And we already have people lining up the TNT (laughs) barrels ready to pull the plunger, man. I love it. That was really funny. I very much enjoyed that. I think it was it was mostly tongue in cheek. I I don't know. Uh, (laughs) It was really funny, though. It, It very much amused me and made me happy when I read that. So, you know what? It just makes me happy that our podcast is reaching folks out in L.A. That's uh, that's a good indicator of the uh the reach we have in the hockey universe. Maybe we're doing something right on this here podcast. I, we must be. We must be doing something right. Anyway, that's going to do it for this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. 
Hopefully next time we speak, things will be better. Hopefully they'll have a couple wins under their belt and we can sort of take a deep breath and really take a look at this team. Look, they've or not... maybe they won't be and you and I will finally uh, man up and do the drunk cast we've been talking about doing. Buddy, after two games, we're getting close. I'm not lying. <laughs> I'm not yeah. lying. Uh, but want to thank you guys for listening, for tuning in. I, I want to do spend an extra second to thank all you guys who came over with me to Locked On Blackhawks. Um, 11,000 downloads in two weeks. It's unbelievable. So thank you so much for your support. Uh, I didn't even I haven't even checked this afternoon, so I'm sure it's higher than that. But thank you all so much for your support. And, of course, thank you for supporting the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast like you have for five years. I won't even tell you those download numbers because they're obscene. We are kicking ass and taking names. And uh, I know our sponsors are happy. I know our listeners are happy. And uh, we very much appreciate your support. So with that, let's thank our sponsors, Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris. 708-478-6090. The Barrel Club in Oakland. Join their Spirit of the Month Club at BarrelClubIllinois.com. Marishka's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit Chuck'sCafe.com and Rabbit Brewing. The time has come for you to drink mythological-level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois, and be sure to join them tomorrow, Saturday, what month is it? October 12th at their two-year anniversary party. Go get some of the amazing brews that Tobias and Ray dream up and mix in their witch's cauldron because, man, their stuff is <laughs> truly magical. With that, James, anything you want to add to the fine uh, end of the podcast here? Want to say anything to our listeners? I'll eventually get the Blackhawks next opponent, right? They're playing <laughs> uh, the Calgary Flames, right? Is that it? No, they're playing the Atlanta Flames, actually. Oh, dang it. See, yeah. I was hoping they'd maybe play the Cleveland Scouts. That would have been a guarantee. That would have been good. Or the Oakland Seals. Oh, yeah. That would have been real good. What was, was Kansas City the... What were they? You know what? Screw it. I don't even care. We're going to get... We're going <laughs> to come back next week, and we're going to have a win to talk about. Damn it. That's what I'm going to say. I hope to God there's one by then. <laughs> Thanks all for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Is QuickBooks slowing your business down? Do you have challenges managing inventory, project profitability, or just getting paid fast enough? Get your business to a better place and graduate to NetSuite today. Stop paying for multiple systems that don't give you the information you need when you need it. Ditch the spreadsheets and all the old software you've outgrown. Now is the time to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. Everything you need, all in one place, instantaneously. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in revenue, save time and money with NetSuite. Join the over 24,000 companies using NetSuite right now. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com play. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash play. netsuite.com slash play. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? 
I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. For the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Ranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.